This is episode 149 of the Swallow Your Pride podcast, and today we have two wonderful guests. We have Dr. Barry Hoffman-Rudy and Vicki Lewis. Dr. Hoffman-Rudy is an ASHA Fellow and Associate Dean of Clinical Affairs at the University of Central Florida. Her research focuses on the study of normal and abnormal voice production in pediatric, professional, and neurologic populations, implementing methods of endoscopy, acoustics, and aerodynamic analysis. Vicki Lewis is an instructor at the University of Central Florida and works in the Orlando Health Hospital System. She's worked in medical settings throughout her career since graduating from Kent State University in 1993. She has presented nationally and has participated in research with publication of research papers. Welcome to the Swallow Your Pride podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Richard. I'm a board-certified specialist in swallowing and swallowing disorders. And I know firsthand how much confusing and conflicting information there is out there about how we assess and treat swallowing disorders. This podcast is all about bringing everyone together, getting on the same page, being open to new ideas, and using evidence-based treatment strategies for our patients with dysphagia. So let's get into it. Just a quick disclaimer that all statements and opinions expressed in this episode do not reflect on the organizations associated with the speakers and are their own opinions solely. Okay, good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much to both of you for being here. We're so happy to be here with you. Yeah. Thank you for inviting us. Yes, of course. This is such a cool conversation. I'm really excited to hear everything you guys are doing and how we can get everybody else in the country thinking of these things too. So um, first, let me let me have you introduce yourself. So, Vicky, if you want to go first. Hi, my name is Vicky Lewis. I've been a speech pathologist for 28 years. I've primarily worked in the medical setting, uh, with a large part of my time in the acute care setting. I am currently a full-time instructor at UCF, and Dr. Hoffman and I have sort of collaborated on several projects over the years. uh, And this is our sort of most recent project. Awesome. Dr. Hoffman. Hi, I'm Barry Hoffman and I am Associate Dean for Clinical Affairs um, in the College of Health Professions and Sciences at the University of Central Florida. I've been at uh, the university for 20 years and I have been in clinical practice um, at a large uh, ear, nose and throat practice where we run a voice and swallowing center um, and I've been in that clinical setting for over 20 years. Awesome. So very excited to be here and with my colleague, Vicki. Yeah, awesome. We're so happy to have you. All right, so what are we going to talk about today? Go ahead, Dr. Hoffman. Tell the people. <laughs> well, so we're excited to talk about a new course that we've launched for our speech pathology program dedicated to training our uh, graduate students and practicing clinicians in the field on the impact of uh, COVID. So it's a post-COVID implications um, on on medical speech language pathology. And the course is um, training students not only in the post-COVID implications that we'll see with our patients in the acute, but in some of the long-term sequel of symptoms patients will be experiencing. Awesome. So what, let me, I mean, obviously, I feel like it's obvious where did this idea come from, but, but really, you know, was, was there something that sparked you guys to come together and create this or a specific event that happened? Or, you know, several months ago, um, our university, um, we were fortunate to um, have a new president, uh, President Cartwright, uh, who came to join us. And um, Vice President uh, Klonoff had really um, motivated the creation of this course where they charged the faculty and and they challenged uh, the faculty and administrators uh, to think innovatively about how we can 
fill a need in this community. And that was really where this idea was born out of. Um, Vicki and I very quickly had a conversation, I think that same day, and discussed, you know, how can we better prepare our speech pathology students who right now, you know, are pulled out of their internships and in the clinical practice, you know, we were able to launch telehealth, but to really um, have that experience walking the halls of the hospital and navigating that medical world of speech pathology um, was something that we felt going to be a critical void. And then add to that the complexity of COVID and, you know, the complexity of our patients. Um, And we wanted to make sure that we filled that gap for our students during this critical period of time and prepared a more informed workforce. We had students that were going to be graduating um, who needed to have some experiences um, and knowledge about, you know, acute care, patient populations, and and the comorbidities that can also be an overlay um, with COVID. Um, So you'll see as we walk through the course some of the um, novel aspects of that. Um, And so I think the motivation really came from our administrators very quickly, you know, um, embraced this idea. And for a course to be delivered in such a short period of time is no small feat. It was a Herculean effort by many people at the university who supported this um, idea, um, the leadership in our college, and, you know, across the graduate school and central administration. This wouldn't have happened if there wasn't such strong support. Yeah, I I commend you guys for, like you said, (laughs) undergoing this Herculean effort. I think What's I've just loved how everybody's just really embraced the cruddy situation that we're in and tried to make the best of it. I, you know, I feel I feel so bad for some of these students and grad students that have just come out of their programs and, you know, have all these brilliant ideas and wanting to hit the ground running. And it's like, well, but wait, there's COVID, so we can't, you know, or well, that's how we used to do things, but now we have COVID, so we can't. So I love that you guys are really just trying to break the mold of, okay, well, this is how we used to do things, but we have a new reality right now. And so we've got to kind of swerve and do what we can do with that. So awesome. That's, that's really great. Is this, is this course for undergrads or grad students only? The course was for graduate students. Okay. And Barry can speak to this as well, but um, in, the the thought was to also try to offer the course to um, practicing clinicians oh, awesome. um, who had an interest uh, in the topic or an interest in potentially retooling their skills to kind of work in a setting like this uh, due to time constraints with the um, development of the course and the release of the course and everything happening so quickly that wasn't possible um, it wasn't possible to have enough time to get the word out and to market to those individuals, but um, potentially it is something that, that could be considered down the road, um, yeah. potentially. And, and let me just add to that. We, we were able to develop a mechanism for students who are not currently UCF students, you know, to enroll in the course. Um, and because it is fully online, the course in the next iteration uh, would be any anybody you know across the country across the world really um, can enroll in that course. Awesome. So yeah, so we developed it so it wasn't just for the um, so it wasn't for just our our current uh, graduate students. Um, we, we we think that this would fill a need in for many speech pathologists and and the next iteration of this course we've already begun discussing um, to develop it uh, to be delivered in an interdisciplinary manner with students from other disciplines. Oh, neat. Awesome. 
awesome. Is it mandatory for your grad students or is it an elective? So for this first um, uh, iteration of this course, because we had two cohorts of students who either uh, didn't have their full internship experience or um, didn't have it um, entirely, didn't have any, you know, internship experience, this became um, a way for them to have the exposure and some hands-on exposure with many of the um, experiences that they would have if they were in their full-time internship. Uh, so this course, while it was delivered fully online, um, there was a, a laboratory kit that we mailed out um, to all of the students that dealt with, you know, speaking valves and um, infection prevention and, and thickening uh, uh different liquid consistencies and training them to do some of walking through the steps in a tangible way that they would be, you know, in a, in a medical setting. And so this became a requirement for the existing um, cohort of students so that they had experiences across um, the medical speech pathology domains. Uh, but uh, we are looking at this more in the future as a potential elective and not just for speech pathologists or training speech pathologists, but potentially even for um, students or individuals who are in physical therapy or social work um, and other health-related um, disciplines. Awesome. I love that tangible aspect of it, too. Mm-hmm. I know we did, um, in the MedSLP Collective, we did a webinar with Simply Thick, and Simply Thick mailed out packages of um, the thickener and the, the syringes to use and everything, and it was, like, wildly successful. Like, everybody just loved being able to hands-on participate in it, so... Oh, I love that. I love the thinking out of the box. Yeah, it was really beneficial. I think for the students, they were so engaged. Yeah. It was really interesting to watch them on the screen. And some of them used uh, some of the labs to interact with family members. You know, there were, um, I think, some parents who uh, drank some thickened liquids, (laughs) but also some parents who were educated. We um, had the um, plastic head model of the pocket Tom. So they were using that to educate, you know, family members about tracheostomy tubes and speaking valves. Um, oh, so um, I, it was really interesting and just amazing to see how engaged that they were. And the feedback from the students uh, with the labs was extremely positive. Excellent. I love that. All right. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about the course content and really what you guys hone in on? Sure. Um, so you know, we, we tried to make the course have um, a very strong, just general medical foundation. You know, I, I always think of this course as this is the course I wish I had had um, even long before uh, COVID was ever on our radar. Um, but just the, the general medical uh, things that you need to know as a speech pathologist. And, and I think so many of us, we, we leave the academic world with um, you know, great anatomy and physiology of the larynx and, you know, the, 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 the speech parts, but there's so much more to it and just sort of trying to connect those systems and understand how the systems work together. So, you know, how does the heart work and how does that work uh, in relation to the lungs and, you know, how do those uh, systems interface and what impact does, you know, open heart surgery have, you know, and all of those types of things. 
and then sort of the, the multi-system uh, impact of COVID-19 on top of that. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, so much of this is, well, we don't know yet. Um, and I was literally doing internet searches for, um, you know, the most recent updated information, you know, a couple of hours before the class to make sure that there wasn't anything new or that nothing had changed, say, for example, on the CDC website or, you know, had ASHA come out with any late breaking information about telehealth or things like that. Um, just really trying to keep up with it and, and letting the students know, like, this is what we know uh, about general systems. This is what COVID is doing to these general systems. And then we don't exactly have a crystal ball, but these are the trends and these are the things to look for with these patients, these survivors, you know, in the coming months and potentially years and the types of things that we as speech pathologists may see. That's great. Um, and like you said, you said the course is completely online. Yes. 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 Are you guys doing any in-person classes this year? Courses? I, I'm not. I'm not sure what's going on with different colleges and things like that. So at our current time, the date of <laughs> <Today>. this recording, <laughs> yes. um, you know, um, uh, there are flexible models, um, okay. and and um, some courses will be delivered fully online. Um, some will be a hybrid. Um, in our own college, because we have our um, health professions that require some clinical, clinical skills and some uh, competency um, uh, testing um, with those skills, um, there will be some face-to-face um, uh, courses, the didactic portion um, predominantly being online, and then um, with, you know, appropriate uh, distancing and PPE, we will, we will have to bring some of our students in. Uh, for clinical labs, skill labs, cadaver labs. And so we've been working very hard over the past few months, as many others across the country, across the world are, um, to be prepared um, for uh, the fall semester and having robust and excellent uh, student experiences in their learning. Awesome. Uh, I love that you brought up the PPE and also, you know, Vicki had said that you were researching the day of, you know, and, and that's something that I think, is such a good lesson for these students to obviously it, it stinks what they're going through, but I think there's going to be some really valuable lessons <laughs> coming out of this and that it's okay to constantly be checking to see what the updated regulations are and knowing that they're constantly going to change. And there's not, you know, I, I get questions all the time, like, well, what's considered best practice PPE, you know, and, and I know that it depends on your, some facilities have different guidelines, some states have different guidelines. So I'd love to hear, you know, really how you're approaching those kind of questions. Yes. And those are tough questions, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. I, um, before I began full-time um, at uh, UCF, I worked in a hospital setting. So I was working there, you know, in April of this year. So I did have, you know, some experience with it and sort of, you know, the evolving, okay, what do speech pathologists really need and how do speech pathologists really fit into this? And, you know, trying to convince or provide education to supervisors who may not have been speech pathologists who really didn't have an understanding that some of the procedures that speech pathologists do are aerosol generating procedures. And, you know, if you're doing something, you know, that we would consider, you know, as simple, and we know these aren't simple, but as a clinical swallowing evaluation, well, if a patient coughs, then, you know, that's 
you know, aerosol generating and, and so, you know, the need to protect ourselves. And we certainly leaned on our otolaryngology colleagues. Um, and there is a lot of information on the American Academy, Academy of Otolaryngology um, and head and neck surgery website. Um, that's super helpful as a resource. And I used some of those resources for the course as well. Um, but, you know, sort of letting the students know that they need to stay up to date with this to potentially um, protect themselves and educate um, people around them. You know, you can't assume that everyone truly understands what speech pathologists do and, and that not everyone understands the level of protection that we might need. And so, um, you know, trying to teach students to diplomatically but, but advocate for themselves as needed, depending on the situation and just really staying current with things. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, I've been critical in the past, I'll go on record saying that, of the American Academy of Otolaryngology, some of their statements, because in the beginning they said, you know, we really shouldn't be working at all. So I thought that was extremely short-sighted because then some people said, you know, well, as speech pathologists, we should follow their lead and, you know, we're not essential. We shouldn't be working. And I was like, no, 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 everyone. (laughs) So, so I think, you know, what I, I want to just explain to people is how important it is to look at all, you you know, the different organizations, because I think, you know, now the, the AAO has come out with really good guidelines for how we can continue and proceed forward with doing fees with proper PPE, mm-hmm. um, you know, and the NASHA's updated theirs and the Spatial Research Society has updated theirs. So I think that's what's so important is that, you know, nobody is the end all be all. Nobody has this mm-hmm. crystal ball that's going to tell us how to, to do these things now. So yes, yes, it's always evolving. Yeah. And, you know, and I try to really um, impress upon the students that this, you know, the information you're receiving right now is is now, but but it's ever changing and, and stay, you know, stay current and, you know, advocate for yourself as necessary. Beautiful. So how, how have the students felt about this course coming up? I think the student feedback has been exemplary, and um, Vicki can speak a little more um, to that. We have had students who have shared, you know, some immediate use of that um, knowledge as they have been interviewing for internships or their, you know, CFs for some of our uh, students who are graduating and going into a fellowship um, and felt that they really had that up-to-date um, information at their fingertips, um, you know, and, and to integrate that. Vicki uh, can share maybe some other uh, thoughts on the student experience. The, the feedback that we've received from the students has been extremely positive, um, talking a lot about, you know, their, their recent, relatively recent um, interviews um, for externships and some of them um, interviews for jobs and just the, the feeling um, you know, and, and a lot of times I think this is so the case, not just with students, but with practicing clinicians. We, we don't know what we don't know. Um, and a lot of them, you know, pointed out like, you know, it, it based on what was presented during the course, they realize, you know, that there, there were gaps in their practical application uh, sort of foundation. And so um, a lot of them, you know, verbalized appreciation for that. And I think the course was just really a good way to just tie things together and then relate it to the, the ever-changing, you know, environment of COVID-19 as well. So the, the feedback has been really positive and, and I'm thrilled for that. Yeah. 
One of the practical things that Vicki did in the lab section early on in the course, I think within the first week, was to have students, going back to the PPE discussion, was to have students wear, and, and in, their, um, in their little kit that was mailed to them, um, they all received a level one mask. And it was requested that they try to wear that for approximately eight hours consistently to sort of, you know, give them an idea and mimic what a shift would be like and what communication is like and all of the different activities, you know, that they may engage in, um, in patient care and communication with other healthcare providers. Um, and certainly they weren't required to wear it for eight hours, but encouraged to wear it as long as they were comfortable. And I think the feedback um, was really eye-opening um, for us and for them uh, that they had not experienced that before and realizing the challenges um, that they faced. Um, we had them all write in a discussion to talk about their experience. And Vicki, I don't know if you've got any that you want to share that were <laughs> yeah. that stood out to you. Yeah, it, it was one of those moments where as an instructor, when you sort of formulate um, an assignment, you know, you, you have in your mind a way that you hope it's going to go. Um, and it was one of those moments where you're like, yes, this is just what, what we were aiming for. Um, and, you know, recognizing we, we certainly, you know, it was a level one mask. And so healthcare providers are having to wear a lot uh, more filtration than a level one mask. But it was just to kind of give the, the general idea. But the, um, the, the discussion postings were just amazing. You know, students saying, I, I have such a new appreciation for healthcare providers and what they're going through. Students were very insightful in, uh, noting that, um, other people had difficulty hearing them, uh, when they were using the mask and that they had to speak, uh, more loudly, um, at, you know, at a greater intensity. And that um, they actually experienced vocal fatigue themselves with using the mask and sort of realizing what impact that might have. They recognized uh, people's inability to read their facial expressions. Um, you know, I was trying to smile at people, but no one could tell that I was smiling. Uh, and, you know, we were able to sort of discuss those things in class and really point out that's exactly what's happening, you know, in the healthcare setting. And, you know, patients are fearful, you know, people are coming in, they look like they're from, you know, outer space. And uh, patients are having difficulty communicating, healthcare providers are having difficulty communicating, you know, and what are some workarounds that, that, you know, we can think of to make that better. Just so just trying to get them thinking along practical lines. Um, but yeah, that assignment was really a success because the students just had such really amazing insights um, that they shared on the discussion post. Good. I love that. I love so much that you guys had them wear the, the PPE. That's, that's fantastic. Have you guys done any sort of like a telehealth component, like in, in teaching them how, you know, the, the service delivery is going to be different for some of these people? Yeah. Um, one of the things that we did and we're very proud of um, is when when all of this sort of hit our area with regard to social distancing and uh, working from and going to school from home, we that meant that we had to shut down face-to-face visits within our speech and hearing clinic, um, which is really a main hub um, for our students in obtaining a large portion of their um, clinical hours that are required in our graduate program. And so we very quickly launched into telehealth 
um, and actually were able to provide, we provided a pilot program uh, over the summer semester so that our students were continuing to train in their clinical service delivery, but they were also learning how to provide services within the telehealth model. Um, and that also required that we move very quickly to um, implement um, an electronic health record system. And so we actually put those two um, initiatives in play uh, within the March-April uh, period of time uh, so that we could uh, keep our students learning and earning their clinical hours. So um, again, very uh, fortunate for the support of our administrative teams because those are our big efforts, particularly during a period of time when um, you know, people were just adjusting to our, our new normal now, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and that is something that we will be continuing on. Um, telehealth was something that our uh, university clinics had always had an interest and a, a vision for, a vision and goal for um, uh, carrying out. Um, this uh, moved us into that space much quicker and, you know, what we are doing now is, is learning um, what, are the, what are some of the benefits that we will continue to keep and be able to offer versus, you know, how are we going to deliver in a safe way face-to-face clinical sessions. And we are all, as clinicians, you know, uh, trying to answer that and adjust uh, to those um, practices within our clinical settings. And so we're right alongside of what's happening in the workforce of preparing our students and thinking through those things in the same way. Yeah, I, I think the, the hybrid approach is such a beautiful approach, and I think there's so many benefits to that. You know, even going forward, I think there's so many patients that require the face-to-face, and there's some that can just, you know, get by with a phone call, check in, you know, and, and I know obviously what we do is a lot more skilled than that, but I think that that hybrid approach hopefully will be beneficial going forward, so... And, and our, our clinical educators have done a phenomenal job training our students and preparing the appropriate protocols and thinking about things in the way that's going to be beneficial in the telehealth model. You know, and if you can imagine, you know, um, a, a, a first semester graduate student or, you know, first semester in clinic uh, graduate student who's, who's nervous about the interactions of that clinical um, session to begin with to then, you know, add on a different service delivery model. Yeah. So I have to say that our clinical educator, our clinical educators, and our team um, really embraced this and um, prepared our students so that they were really confidently able to launch into the telehealth practice as competent clinicians and provide the needed services you know, to the to the clientele and not have a break in their um, yeah. in their care. Yeah, yeah. I think you know, I, like I said, I have a son with special needs, and it's just been awful because there's a lot of ways that he can't participate in telehealth and he's needed that, you know, hands-on in person. And then it's just been awful trying to get him care that way. But, you know, I think this course going forward, I think would be, like you said, you're, you want to get it out to, you know, clinicians, practicing clinicians. And I, I think there's been so many clinicians that are like, well, I don't, I'm, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I don't, I don't want to learn this telehealth model. But like you said, I don't think telehealth is going anywhere. I think we're going to probably continue to have some sort of hybrid model for a long time. So I think it's really beneficial of some clinicians, you know, whether you don't want to or whatever your hesitancy is, I think it's going to be just really valuable for everybody to learn going forward. I think it's an excellent tool for us to use yeah. in, the, in the right setting, in the right yeah. situation. And um, I agree. I think it will be a valuable complement to what we can offer, hopefully, you know, in yeah. a face, 
when we are able to return to more face-to-face -face sessions. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, what about, so you mentioned something about potential future endeavors, Vicki. You know, it's so up, up in the air at this point, yeah. but, um, you know, just um, as Barry mentioned before talking about the course was presented in um, an interdisciplinary manner, but to really um, now reaching out to other disciplines at the university level. So physical therapy um, and potentially social work, trying to sort of collaborate to put a course uh, together with all of those disciplines. You know, I think as clinicians, there's so much we learn uh, once we're out there on the ground, but I think preparation um, maybe for some of it isn't as strong as it could be. And so, you know, learning about, you know, co-treatment and, you know, collaboration, you know, for example, in the ICU setting uh, where you might be seeing a lot of these COVID patients and, you know, how how can we work together um, to best deliver uh, the care that the patient needs too, and in the most um, efficient manner um, to minimize exposure as well. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's talk about that. Going back to the telehealth too, I think there's a, if there's lemonade to be made out of these lemons, I think, you know, it's thank goodness we've finally received reimbursement for these, yeah. these billing codes, although, you know, it's limited with regard to swallowing. Um, and the course, um, you know, it was amazing to have these students who had already, you know, were, were ongoing with their telehealth experience but also providing them with some of the background knowledge of the resources on ASHA's website and what billing codes are being reimbursed. Because I think a lot of students, you know, aren't aware uh, quite as much with the billing codes. And one, uh, one evening we even got on a tangent about CPT codes a little bit and ICD-10 codes, um, you know, and it was like, well, wait a minute, this is a whole other course. But I think, you know, there's just so much practical information needed. Just adding on to the early part of that question with regard to um, some other novel approaches to, to training and other innovations, we, we are in some things on the horizon uh, looking at um, additional ways to train our students in an interprofessional manner. And Vicki talked a little bit about, you know, the kind of the co-treatment and learning with and from some of our other um, healthcare providers on the team. Um, we're starting to look at novel simulation technology uh, to, uh, at the current time, our standardized patient programs are limited or not existent um, because of the vulnerability, you know, of, of some of those um, standardized patients and, and the limitations that we have of, of being able to be face-to-face. -face. So we're out right now working on a concept uh, that we hope to be able to pilot um, in uh, uh, the early uh, 2021 that may um, kind of bridge that gap. So we've got a couple other <laughs> a couple other things in the hopper that we're working on. Beautiful. Well, I guess I would love to hear some advice you might have for other universities and institutions because I think it sounds like you guys just have a wonderfully supportive network and an administrative staff, and I can just hear so many other researchers or clinical directors saying, well, that's your university, but how am I going to get this off the ground in mind? So I'd, I'd love to just hear some words of wisdom from, from you guys. Every setting is different. Um, we um, truly feel fortunate to have a very innovative and forward thinking um, uh, administrative team. Our, our dean of our college, 
very open to new ideas and new ways to solve problems or not, maybe not problems, to, um, new ways for us to deliver, you know, um, the best clinical education that we can um, to uh, the students that we are uh, preparing in, in the healthcare disciplines. We, our central administration, and as I mentioned earlier, um, we have a new president and we have, you know, dean of our graduate school um, who think progressively, how can we um, fill a gap? How can we fill a need? What can we do that's unique and different and innovative? Utilizing technology, you know, to, you know, pro uh, provide a solution to healthcare problems. And sometimes those healthcare problems may be there needs to be a new way to train, you know, our students. What we learned from the current pandemic is that we really need to have um, strong um, solutions with technology for training our students. You know, sometimes that is utilizing technology with cases and simulated cases to, you know, replace some of the maybe face-to-face -face interactions. How can we dive a little deeper into that? How can we make that, that experience more tangible? What's unique that we can provide, you know, as an education model that help prepare our students, you know, to enter into the workforce in this, um, in our new normal, right? Given the current, current scenario, given the current limitations, how can we, um, train and prepare those future clinicians even better. So um, my advice is think outside of the box. That's something that Vicki and I, you know, <laughs> always uh, do uh, together. Sometimes a wild idea um, isn't always, <laughs> um, you know, a bad idea. Um, and, you know, sometimes when we think about how do we, I mean, leveraging the resources that are around us, uh, sometimes we get, mired down in the logistics and the implementation that we, we walk away from the bigger picture vision and we keep that bigger picture vision. How can we do something? We, we, we might fail a couple of times, but we can readjust and then figure out, you know, how do we deliver a model? How do we do something? What are the measurable outcomes in that? What competencies can we meet for our students? And once we figure that out in a little pilot phase, then we can work on an implementation so this course that we developed was was a pilot. You know, we, it was a special topics course. We, you know, were able to deliver this successfully in this short period of time. And now we want to look a little bit further. How do we do this better? How do we do this in, in an interdisciplinary manner? And, you know, how do we now implement that into curriculum? And we don't have all those answers yet. So I guess if, my, if I had one piece of advice was try to keep the big picture vision and don't let that cloud the, you know, the practical implementation, because oftentimes we're not ready to implement when we have the big idea first. Yeah. Awesome. I love that, Dr. Hoffman. Thank you. All right. Any, any final thoughts about the course? Going back to the, the lemonade out of lemons, you know, these are extremely difficult times and they're, they're worrisome and they're troublesome. And, um, but to, you know, be, um, have the opportunity to be involved in something where you felt like you were just sort of a, an agent of change and, and, and just to be able to provide information to these students who are headed out, you know, into the, into the world, uh, to practice has been an amazing opportunity and it's been just phenomenally rewarding. I'm so grateful for the experience and I hope that the students kind of are heading out there and I hope that they'll have lots of aha moments, uh, you know, moments where, you know, something um, that was covered in the course uh, becomes really relevant and, and helpful for the patient care that they're delivering.
what's really exciting about this is, you know, and Vicki's a phenomenal instructor with, you know, years of acute care experience that she's really been able to bring into the classroom. And so I think to be able to deliver um, clinical training and education in such a hands-on practical way, you know, has, has been an exciting experience, particularly given, you know, the real need uh, because of the current pandemic. So I'm very appreciative of Vicki being the phenomenal instructor that she is. Thank you. Right. Well, thank you so much to both of you. This has been so interesting and I really hope this encourages other programs and universities to think outside the box and how can we really help this generation of grad students that are going to be our future colleagues? How can we, you know, help them learn this as sort of our new normal for now? And yeah, yeah so thank you so much to both of you. Thank, thank you. you. It's been a pleasure to meet you. Yes. So if you would love to hear more of these episodes and get some easily digestible bites of swallowing knowledge, then please leave a review on iTunes or pledge a small amount on patreon.com forward slash swallow your pride because that is what keeps these episodes coming. Also, don't forget to subscribe, share with your closest colleagues, and show notes will always be available to download over on swallowyourpridepodcast.com where you can also be notified of the latest podcast episodes. Also, credit to Stephanie Jacobson for her incredible editing skills and thank you so much to all of you for listening.